Okay, so last week we found that Moses was put in a basket by his mother because they were killing all the Hebrews, got picked up by Pharaoh's daughter, and she raised him as his own, which is a better situation. Moses grew up and he realized he was different. He was a Hebrew and he was watching Egyptians oppress his people and he felt like a man without a home, either place. And one day, the story is a little different than uh, uh, Mary told for the kids, maybe that's a good thing. <clears throat> one day, uh, Moses observed a taskmaster beating a Hebrew slave servant and Moses struck and killed the Egyptian taskmaster. And fearing for his life because of his own ethnicity, he acts like any man of faith does and runs. So he runs away, run away, this is like Monty Python, run away, keep running. And he goes and he takes a wife and then that's when he's, he's taking his, his father-in-law's sheep and God appears in a bush that is burning and is not consumed. And the the important part of the story at this point is this. He sees the bush that's burning and isn't being consumed, and he turns aside from what he's doing. And it's after he turns aside that God speaks from the burning bush. Take off your shoes so the ground you're standing on is holy, and I've got really good news for you. I'm going to send you back to Pharaoh. He's going to be happy to see you. And you're going to tell Pharaoh that he's going to let all the, the Hebrew people go. This is something that every ruler wants to do, get rid of all the free labor. And God says, well, and here's a sign for you. After you leave Egypt, after you've already gone, You'll worship me on this very mountain, which is Horeb or Sinai. Different traditions, same mountain. And Moses says, well, you know, just since we're talking, they're going to want to know who talked to me. So who can I say is calling? You know, you've said the, father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But who can I say, you know, what's your name? I am who I am. Thanks for clearing that up. The point here is that God names us, we don't name God. Abram becomes Abraham, Sarai becomes Sarah, God defines who we are, God names us, we don't name God, we don't have power over God, God has power over us. And that's the end of the story for today. And I had this lovely story about going home and signs. And, and then this week happened. So I want you to know the story because we're going to be picking it up. But if you've been following the events in the news, and I know these two events are not necessarily the most important or dramatic things that have happened because of ISIS in the world, and da 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 But you had the situation with Ray Rice and the Baltimore Ravens being suspended and, you know, getting two-game suspension for basically cold-cocking his wife. And then you had Adrian Peterson, who is probably the greatest back in the NFL right now, who was just arrested for, as he put, whooping his son because that's how he was raised and that's how 
children were disciplined. That's how he was disciplined in East Texas, and that's how he, he never intended to hurt his son. But his son was four years old. And he did it with a switch over 20 times. With welts and cuts, um, buttocks, scrotum, everything. You know, this was, this was... And I am reluctant to bring it up in this way because we have a horrible situation of racism in this country. And there are some people who are protesting because the man's black, he's going to get what he's going to get as a black man. And we've seen in Ferguson that all you have to do is be black, have your hands up, get shot at from the back, turn around, have your hands in the air, and get shot in the head by a police officer. So I want us to be very, very sensitive to the fact that even though this is not about black and white, race is a part of every conversation. But domestic violence and children are something that I think for us, they're the call that we have out of Egypt. I'm not even sure it's a bush that is burning, that is not consumed. I actually think this is a bush that is burning up. We are losing our children. And we are losing our partners. And the reason that I was motivated to talk about this today, and this is another happy uh, discussion, is because I was reading about the story on Huffington Post, and I read the comments. Now, Huffington Post is a liberal-leaning website. If you don't know that, be not confused. Okay? It's very liberal-leaning. Most of the people who go to it and read it are liberal-leaning. And the comments were at least two to one that Adrian Peterson did nothing wrong in disciplining his child this way. Because of the old phrase, spare the rod, spoil the child. First of all, does this quote come from Scripture? It's close. It actually comes from a poet in the, in the, it's about 1644 named Butler. Uh, but the actual passage from Proverbs is, reads in a New Revised Standard of the Version, those who spare the rod hate their children, but those who love them are diligent to discipline them. So if you, basically, if you spare the rod, you hate your kids, and those who love them are diligent to discipline them. This is Solomon's wisdom. And Solomon was talking, I think, about his son Rehoboam, who was a really great guy, and obviously Solomon was very successful with his son because when his son took over, um, the people tried to kill him. He was that abusive and you know, you could say, you know, if you're raised by somebody whooping on you, it's not a jump to say that's how you deal with somebody who's misbehaving, regardless of the age. How do we treat our children? And what's interesting here is that the word for the rod that is used is not the customary word for a rod that you would beat somebody with. I probably know as much Hebrew as you do, and I can't remember the word, so I'm going to assume you're going to take my word for it. But it, the word really means scepter or the kind of shepherd's crook. 
We are supposed to guide our children. We are supposed to teach our children. And it's the same word for discipline that's used in the beginning of the book of Proverbs, where wisdom and discipline instruct us, and they teach us, and they guide us. We have turned an idea of a rod, the shepherd that beats his flock. What happens to the flock? They scatter. How does a shepherd lead a flock? Anybody know? Anybody know familiar with shepherds? Do they do it from the front or the back? They do it from the front. Nowadays, you do it from the back because you've got sheepdogs. You got sheepdogs that go and, and they go and, and it's they're hey moss hey you know hi moss it's 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 amazing how they um, moss was a, the dog of of a Rotarian that had two thousand sheep and we shifted them from field to field and the dogs are amazing, but in Israel the shepherd led the sheep and the sheep knew that they were safe when they were with the shepherd, and if they started to move aside the rod was used to guide them back to safety, they were not used to beat the flock. A king was called, the king's scepter was also, was supposed to be the shepherd of the people. To shepherd the people, to lead the people, to guide the people, to protect the people. So if you want to go to Proverbs and say, I'm a Bible-believing person, I'm going to do what God says in the Bible. Please at least look at that understanding of what a shepherd's crook was used for and what a rod was used for by a shepherd and by the scepter of the king. Now, Solomon, there are other passages in, in Proverbs where it's pretty clear that, that some hitting's going on. And if Jeroboam had turned out to be this great guy, I'd say, let's think about it. But he didn't. He's a massive failure by any understanding. Read 1 Kings. How many of you have heard of the rule of thumb? What does the rule of thumb refer to? Anybody know? This is a rule. This is a thumb. It's okay to hit your wife. At, no, it is. As long as the branch that you are striking her with is not bigger in diameter than your thumb. So when you use the phrase, well, we'll go by the rule of thumb, find another use. Find another phrase. Most of us use phrases we actually don't know the origins of, but that's what the origin of that term meant. It's okay to beat someone as long as it's smaller than your thumb. Is that who we want to be? And I know some of you are thinking, you know, I wish that God would give us a sign of how we should understand these texts more clearly. Are you that way? I want you to think there's, there's two passages about signs that we're going to refer to. First is today's. When God says, this is a sign for you. After you've already left Egypt, you're going to worship me later. Okay, so that's a sign that comes at the end. The other is when Jesus is saying, this generation wants a sign. 
and there's only one sign that you're going to get, and it's the sign of Jonah. Anybody know what that sign means? You're going to get in the belly of the beast for three days. You want that sign? I don't. I get that sign a lot. I spend enough time in the belly of the beast all the time. My own doing. I'm not going to ask God, hey, can I have a sign? What would Jesus do? Jesus said, let the children come to me. Do not turn them aside. Don't cast them away. Don't say you got to go somewhere else during adult important time. And anyone who does or causes a little one such as these to stumble... It would be better if a millstone was put around their neck and they were cast into the sea. Now, there are a lot of people who were spanked and even whooped that grew up to be just fine. But there are a lot that aren't. And violence begets violence. It used to be if you hit your wife with a branch smaller than your thumb, you were just fine. Is that who we want to be? I grew up, not grew up, my first church, I was in Fox Island, and there was a, a, a conservative church right across the way, and they had a mom's group, and a lot of moms went there, and a lot of moms from our church said, you know, we're, um, maybe we should get a mom's group because I don't know if I want to go to that mom's group, and I'd say, well, that's a good idea because they use a um, raising children God's way. And they use the biblical footprint in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And lo and behold, because they have no people that were medical people, children died following their program. And I'd talk to some of these people and I'd say, "Um, you know, I'm not sure you'd want to use that program. Oh, they tinkered with it. They changed it a little bit. So children are safe now. If children die in your program, maybe the program is fundamentally flawed. There are people who want to say, I I need direction so clearly that whatever Scripture says, I'm going to follow it. But they're following things that sometimes flat out don't work. And not only that, get people hurt. I believe we are living in a time in history where we are looking at a burning bush and God is calling us from that burning bush and saying, when we turn aside, stop the violence. Stop the killing. My people are in bondage. Women who are being abused. Children who are being hit. People who, because of the color of their skin, can't safely be in their own neighborhoods. Let my people go. And if you're waiting for a sign, it comes at the end. Joy comes with the morning. 
the sign is when we stop, we will worship God on God's holy mountain and there will be peace. That's the sign. Will we look? Will we hear? Will we act? Choice is ours. God calls us to choose.